welcome to So What to Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. I'm Kyla. And I'm Taylor. And what's going on? I thought this was a podcast. Let's party! Woo! Let's dance! Uh-oh. Guess what? Dancing is not outlawed here. You can't see it, but we are doing the jitterbug as we speak. Yep, and we're doing the boobop shaboop as well. The bebop buggin' shaboop? Yeah, <laughs> our signature So It's a Show dance. Deep cut. Thanks for the fans who recognize that. Our hardcore yeah. fan club will go crazy for that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I didn't know what episode that was from. Probably one of our best. Yeah, probably. I don't remember <laughs> either. Uh, Taylor, is this now, do you have a brand new soundtrack of dance music that you play anytime friends are coming over? Uh, it's not brand new, but I do have a great soundtrack that I've been listening to while I've been researching for this episode. It's so good. It's so upbeat and peppy and jitterbuggy. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what the writer was thinking of when he wrote the songs. We'll talk about him later. I'm pretty sure the word jitterbuggy is going to come up. Excellent. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> Taylor, any anything going on in your life, pop culture, that people need to know about? Well, I did want to tell people I just saw dave rogalski in a new movie what bible I'm... kiss bible <laughs> i know and i just look it's nothing like gilmore girls at all in any way shape or form <laughs> except that maybe the house looks a smidge like chilton side note i just okay. went to a wedding that looked a lot like chilton had to do a double take it was not I confirmed. (laughs) And this is also not where this movie was filmed. But if you have heard anything about the new movie, Ready or Not, Adam Brody is in this movie and he is phenomenal as always. And it is difficult to talk about what the movie is about without giving too much away. But it's kind of a horror thriller comedy with a Mm -hmm. deathly game of hide and seek. I believe that was on the posters. Okay, well, then I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> and to confirm, if you are confused, no, it does not star Emma Stone. I had to do a double take on that as well. I her- thought it did. No, it just looks like her. This girl's name is Samara Weaving. What? And she looks a lot like Emma Stone, but it's not her. She's Australian. Oh, my goodness. I even I saw the trailer and I thought it was Emma Stone. Understandable, because I thought it was her at first, too. Wow. I'm just like looking at images again. Huh. But yeah, it's clearly not. Okay. No, no, no. And you know what, guys? Was this on purpose? I wondered the same thing. Yeah, because in the screenshots of the movie, so I just, you know, Google image searched, it's clear. I'm like, oh, yeah, not her, different head shape, abnormally long neck. (laughs) But then in the poster, it looks just like Emma Stone. Agreed, in the poster, it totally looks like her. I think that was on purpose. I'm, I'm calling conspiracy theory on this. Thank you for confirming my suspicions, as we have deep intel confirming them. (laughs) however adam brody it's really him in this movie it's not a doppelganger okay good and both he and samara weaving are great in this movie 
And Andy McDowell's in it, too, and she's a lot of fun. See, it just looks so gory, but then you told me it, I mean, it, not it, that gory. Or well, not that, like, crazy scary. It's not super scary, but it is pretty gory. Okay. I did cover my but, eyes at a few parts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no shame there. Do it all the time. Yes, but it's not uh, so, I, like, tense that you're like, I can't take this. Okay, because I heard from a di- from a reviewer online, it's like he didn't like it because it wasn't as scary as the trailer made it seem, which would make me like it because it'd be less scary. Mm. And I never so. watched the trailer, I don't think. Oh, or if okay. I did, I didn't watch it many times because I don't remember. You just went in blind. I heard podcasters talking about it. Oh, okay. Podcasters are influential. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> so totally. So anyway, if anyone is a big Adam Brody fan, which you should be, he's great in this movie. He is not Dave Rogalski. This movie is not Gilmore Girls. However, there is a small overlap of Venn diagram of interest between Gilmore Girls and Ready or Not. <laughs> that may be enough to get your interest. And, you know, I did just watch him in the famous scary OC scene. Oh, Yes. So. Season which, two finale. Yeah. So, which, not not to give anything away. Well, I won't share too much if you haven't seen the OC mm-hmm. and you're planning to. But, granted, I did recently see a big spoiler, but I can't really blame anyone because it's been a decade at, at least. I don't 15 know. 15 years or so, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, but here's how I knew the episode was coming. First of all, Taylor alluded to the fact that where I was in the season, I should be getting close. (laughs) So, and then I have seen the SNL sketch. So me anticipating this scene was more coming from a place (laughs) of, it was going to be comedic to me just because of that SNL sketch is, if you haven't watched it, you have to look it up. I'm sure if you look up SNL OC... Oh, yeah. It's a classic. But at the beginning of the episode, the first song that's played is (laughs) Emotion Heap, "Mm, What You Say. And so I knew that it was coming because I knew that that was the music in the scene. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known it was coming until much later. So that made me laugh. And let me tell you, when the scene happened, the gun went off, I just laughed. I'm sure it was shocking in 2000, whatever, 1990-something. Yeah. Um, I think but it was I 2004 or 5. Okay, I just couldn't yeah. help but laugh because of the SNL sketch. Fair enough. Although in a strange <laughs> twist of fate, my sister was watching that episode for the very first time mm-hmm. at the same time you were, and you were both texting me about it at the so same funny. time, which was weird Twilight Zone moment. It did shock her. She has seen the SNL sketch but did not realize it was coming and was very surprised. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's that that song that got me. Yeah. (laughs) So welcome to the Adam Brody Stan podcast. (laughs) Yes, we're so excited about Adam Brody projects, both present and past. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Maybe let's get into our favorite project he's ever been on. I know. And this is a prime Dave Rogowski episode. That's not what we're here to talk about directly, but he is indirectly part of it. Tell me more. Well, let's talk about this episode of Gilmore Girls, shall we? Uh Uh-huh. The episode of Gilmore Girls we are talking about 
today is Gilmore Girls 320. Say goodnight, Gracie. And Kyla, I gotta tell you something. I'm giving up on these IMDb plot summaries. They are not great. And then, guess what? If I discovered this week, if you click on the episode in IMDb, there's a longer storyline section. So I've decided that when the IMDb summary is pretty lame, which it often is, we're going to go to the storyline. Compare and contrast for this first time here. The summary is Jess's father shows up in the diner, Dean gets engaged, and Fran dies, leaving the inn up for sale. Wow. Okay. All true. We don't even talk about Lorelai or Rory or Mm -hmm. Lane and Dave. Yeah. So let's try this. Storyline option. As the news spreads about the fight, Luke lays down the law to Jess about his failures, but with their agreement broken, Jess only sees one way out. That's a way morbid way to describe that, but okay. (laughs) Lane gets to go to the prom, but not exactly like she planned. Dean gets engaged, and when beloved Fran Weston passes on, Lorelai and Suki see if they can buy the Dragonfly Inn. Hey, fun fact about this episode. Uh Uh-huh. So the guy who plays Fran's lawyer, who's carrying the casket, and they're trying to negotiate for the inn while they're carrying her casket around the town square. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is Melissa McCarthy's husband. Ben Falcone. I knew that. I'd forgotten, though. I did not know that until clicking on that IMDb episode page. Guess I got to do that more. Yeah, there's so much you can learn from IMDb. (laughs) So fun little fact. Love it. I love seeing, like, the spouses and and, or kids of people who are already on a show when they get Mm -hmm. a little little plot. Same. Or kind of like I watched... All three extended edition Lord of the Rings in the past week because... Nerd alert. (laughs) Sometimes every few years, it's just got to be done. So uh, I... I'm not judging. I have a craving to watch Lord of the Rings and have for a while, and I just haven't taken the time to do it. It's a time investment. Yeah, now you're definitely going to do it. So I realized I kept seeing the same little girl. She's very cute. Big buggy eyes. In all three movies, and it's because it's Peter Jackson's daughter. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. She's in The Shire, and then she's in Minas Tirith. Uh Uh-huh. Hashtag nerd alert. (laughs) Yes. And this time, after watching Lord of the Rings, I've got one of the Dunedine stuck (laughs) in my head. Lord of the Rings. Quality. Okay, I could go on because, you know, there's like... Well, I was thinking you could sing it and we can just put it in the background for the rest of the episode. Thanks. We'll just put that on loop. I love it. (laughs) Nope, I only wanted that part. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Anywho, side note. (laughs) So, yeah. Good episode. Yeah. High tension. Dean engaged. I know. Not to diss any... 18-year-old engaged people. Yeah, because really what all the other teens in this episode are worried about is prom. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Yeah, prom and weddings. Mm-hmm. Should we talk? Big parties. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about prom in this episode. I think so. What's going so, down? Well, Rory wants to go to prom with Jess. Mm-hmm. Stars Hollow prom with Lane and Dave, hopefully. Mm-hmm. 
And so Jess is like, all right, I'll go get some tickets. Except Jess's grades, not good enough to graduate. Yeah. But Jess has not shared this with Rory. And Rory is listening to all the Chilton peeps talk about their prom. Then she and Paris and Madeline Louise have this combo. How's it coming? Very frustrating. Just can't seem to get exactly the right combination. All right, how about blue dress, blonde guy, black limo? Works best for me. Yes, however, green dress, red hair guy, white limo works best for me. White limo with blonde guy totally doesn't work. It's too washed up. I'm assuming this conversation veered off of the cover page placement. How about black haired guy, green dress, and tan limo? Tan limo? Good neutral backdrop. Well, this opens up a whole new set of options. Bring the golf team back in. Okay, why don't I just get these pesky Franklin articles out of your way? There we go. What are you doing? I am working on the front page placement. What are they doing? Staying true to who they are. Look. Promise once. It happens, it's photographed, and then it's there forever. Planning is essential. By the way, Paris, we left a space for you in the limo. However, we're going to need the color of your dress. And a picture of Jamie. And the amount of flexibility that you have with the color of your dress. And with Jamie. Thank you, but we've already made our plans for prom night. Jamie hired a private car to drive us to the prom. We'll go in, take the picture, depending on the level of lameness, dance. Then he's taking me to dinner at Antoine's, followed by a helicopter ride to join his parents out in Martha's Vineyard for the weekend. What color is the helicopter? As you were. So, have you figured out your plans for prom night yet? Oh, no, but Cyrus Hollow is a much more casual kind of prom. Less Cinderella, more Footloose. So, Taylor. Mm Mm-hmm. Footloose prom. Do you know what this means? Oh, yeah. This (laughs) is when the tables turn. This is a reference I know. You you tend to know the references. Um, What do you mean? What are you talking about? When we talked about Carol Burnett just a few episodes ago, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who this person is. And I was like, was that even a pop culture reference? All right. We take our turns. Mm Mm-hmm. We do. Fair. I did not know what this was. I had heard of Footloose. Had not watched it. And, in fact, I started watching it when it was on Netflix however many years ago Mm because I know I saw some of the beginning scenes when I went back to watch it, but I didn't finish it for whatever reason. I don't know why. Are you a crazy woman? It seems like a movie I would have finished, but I I don't know. Maybe something happened. Maybe I got engaged and (laughs) had to plan a wedding instead of think about prom. What a life story. I was watching Footloose and then I got engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't finish the movie though. (laughs) Got to go plan a wedding immediately. Yeah, so I didn't finish it, and maybe one day I'll remember why. But this time I did, and now I understand it. I'm ready to get loose. Foot loose. <laughs> Took me a second there, sorry. <laughs> and this is not the only time that Footloose is referenced on Gilmore Girls. Let's just play a little montage of all the times we hear about it. Some people like getting up early. You lie. No, they do it voluntarily. Really? Every day. <gasps> Jump back. Excuse me? Kevin Bacon, Footloose, reaction to the no dancing in town rule is revealed to him by Chris Penn, brother to Sean, sage to all. Should have known. Yes, you should have known what they teach you in that damn school. I'll get it, Leilani. You find out where that smell is coming from. Lorelai. Hi, Emma. What on earth are you doing here? What is this? This is your new DVD player. My what? Plus, I picked up uh, Singing in the Rain, Funny Girl, Easter Parade, and American in Paris, and, as an added bonus, the new classic dance series, Urban Cowboy, Saturday Night Fever, Grease, Footloose, and Flashdance. Trust me, you're going to be cutting up your sweatshirts all weekend. Why did you do this? Because I thought you'd enjoy it. So, Sunday's for us, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have you down right here. Mm. Cookie. Good. 
Hey, it's still early. Do you want to watch more of the extra supplementary stuff on the Lord of the Rings DVD? Well, just the drawings and that fat guy talking. Well, let's watch Footloose again. Yeah. Starlight! Wait! Come back! What do you mean Luke's out of town? Uh, well, I mean, Luke's left town. He's gone far away from town. Town's there, and Luke's over here. He's not coming to the wedding with you? No. You mean you're coming alone, unescorted? Well, Rory will be there, so... No, she won't like it. Who won't? You can't come alone. An unmarried woman of a certain age, unescorted, wearing the clothes you tend to wear. People will think things, bad things. Like what? Like you're a tramp and possibly for sale. Wow, suddenly, footloose, not seeming so silly. Wow, these are really really they're all really good they cover different aspects of the movie Mm -hmm. i love it what a well-rounded set of references good job asp Woohoo! so should we talk footloose i think we should hey hey what's this i see i thought this was a party let's Footloose, a.k.a. the OG Footloose, came out in 1984, and you might know it as the movie that launched Kevin Bacon's career into the stratosphere. He had been... You mean into the frying pan, because his last name is Bacon. Oh my gosh. What? (laughs) Right. I don't have any follow-up to that, but I really appreciated it. Go on. This movie made $80 million at the box office, which doesn't sound like a lot today, but that was the seventh highest grossing movie of the year in 1984, which shows you how times have changed with inflation. Did it even beat the movie 1984? I actually, I didn't check. I don't think that was a movie. I think it just... Well, it was a movie as well. Oh, did it come out in 1984? I think they did. 1984 movie. Now I need to know. <laughs> that would have been a real waste if they didn't come out in 1984. Like, missed opportunity. I can confirm it did majorly beat 1984 at the box office what? in 1984. What? It, that, that movie was made for that year. It, funnily enough, it ranked 87th. For the year. Oh, what if it would have ranked 84th? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Look at all these things that could have blown our minds. (laughs) Almost. But uh, But back to Footloose. (laughs) It actually spent 143 non-consecutive weekends at number one at the box office. Which also shows you how box office has changed. Like, movies don't stick around like that anymore. Which is more an industry change than just specific movies. And it had some critical acclaim as well. It earned two Oscar nominations for Best Original Songs for Footloose and Let's Hear It for the Boy. Step back. (laughs) And it got a Grammy nomination for the Best Score for a Movie or TV Show. And the music was by a bunch of cool people, including Dean Pitchford, who won a Best Original Song Oscar for Fame. Fame! Which we just talked about. Love it. So this guy's super talented, so he was nominated twice for Footloose, and then he was nominated again in 1989 for another movie. Go him. I know. Way to go, Teen Pitchford. I think that we will always, always remember him. I think he's going to live forever. Mm-hmm. We'll Look remember his name. He's gotten. <laughs> and if you are not familiar with 
the Kevin Bacon version of Footloose. There is a 2011 remake, and there has been a Broadway musical that ran 709 shows starting in 1998, and it is in the top 20 plays that is are produced by high schools in America. So basically, you've had a lot of options to know this, Kyla. I don't know what you're doing with your life, but okay. I was missing out. <laughs> Again, I was focusing on all of my many weddings and could not think about a prom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A prom movie. Got it. Uh, <laughs> Just like Dean. <laughs> Just like Dean. He and I, so much in common. Oh, <laughs> the memories. Footloose, though, now I know, and it's so fun. Oh, maybe we should say the plot. Yeah, let's talk about Footloose. How many times yeah. have we said that? <laughs> many so scene opener hundreds of feet which were from cast members that sounds and way more gross than it is <laughs> they're all wearing shoes don't worry <laughs> well i i thought you were meaning like it sounded like they're just like a bunch of dead oh no i just mean feet gross me out oh they do yeah not a fan oh so they're all wearing shoes and socks and tights and okay. pantyhose don't worry yeah i i'm okay with bare feet as long as they're, like, properly manicured. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so they're dancing. They're attached to people. <laughs> they have shoes on. <laughs> they're all going under the opening credits to Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun opener. But Kevin Bacon, new kid on the block. In Beaumont. Or in the school. Mm-hmm. And he arrives, and he's like, hey, so... I love to dance. I'm from Chicago. Yo, weed, hot dogs, and and I wish I love dancing. And then his new friend Willard says, "Sorry, bro. There's no places to dance around here. It's against the law." To which Kevin Bacon replies, famously, "So what's a Chicago kid to do? But break the rules and change the rules. Most important." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to do that, he is teaming up with not only his love interest, but the preacher's daughter, Ariel, played by Lori Singer, who we talked about in our last episode, too, because she was on the TV show version of Fame. Worlds colliding. I know. Hardcore. So Ren has already made it pretty clear that he has not fit in. This is Kevin Bacon, as a reminder. He has angered people in multiple ways including just saying things like kurt vonnegut wrote a classic book and some of the other adults in town are not impressed with that comment they say something like well maybe in your town it's a classic (laughs) and Uh, which the book is titled the book title they're talking about is slaughterhouse five yes so Mm -hmm. yeah and ariel has already shown a tendency to try and rebel against her dad's rules she played a tape in her boombox at the local drive-in and her dad showed up and turns it off so they decide they're going to try and team up and get a prom meanwhile you've got other things going on like willard doesn't know how to dance so they got to sneak out of town and try and get him to go to a bar Mm -hmm. and then ren has to teach him how to dance Mm, you've also got an abusive boyfriend that Ariel has, and Oof. he is no bueno. He wants to fight Kevin Bacon all the time. And if yeah. they're not fighting, 
They're playing chicken with tractors. Yes, while Bonnie Tyler sings grandly in the background, <laughs> holding out yes. for a hero. And you've got Sarah Jessica Parker with her mm-hmm. big, beautiful locks. Mm-hmm. Bebopping around. Yes. Fun little Ariel sidekick. Yes. And not to jump the gun, but since you brought up her beautiful locks, Sarah Jessica Parker almost did not get this part because the character's name was Rusty and she refused to dye her hair red because Mm -hmm. she had just played Annie on Broadway and she was tired of it. What a reason to turn down a role. I know. And I guess the other gal who was playing that part fell through. And she just said, nope, I'm not dyeing my hair. So she is rusty, just with great, beautiful locks, but they are not red. I didn't notice it. I was fine with it. Mm -hmm. And also going on is that the charge to prevent dancing and other salacious behavior in this town is coming from (laughs) Ariel's dad, the preacher, Reverend Shaw Moore, played by John Lithgow. And at first he's... Not a super nice guy. He doesn't seem very attached to his family. Kind of ignores them. He's really judgy and vindictive. And then you find out there's a reason for it. Yeah. So the reason why Dancing with Outlawed in the first place was because a group of students after prom a few years back, they died in a car accident. And Ariel's brother was one of the kids who died in the crash. So her dad was extra tied to the idea of, well, he didn't want that to happen to anyone else. And he thought dancing was, uh, outlawing dancing was his way of saving kids. So, I mean, his heart was good in the right Mm -hmm. place. And you saw he was not pro-book burning. Yes, that is true. So he wasn't like totally death to all things new Mm -hmm. or old that I don't like. (laughs) And he, at several points, says, I'm responsible for this town. As the preacher, I'm responsible for the spiritual health and the well-being. And obviously, that's putting way too much pressure on himself and way too much responsibility. Mm -hmm. But I do think after losing your son, and if you think you can prevent this in any other person's life, like, I can totally understand why you would feel that way. Yeah. So at the end... Ren gets before the town council, and Ariel helps him out. He brings a lot of Bible verses and says that there are lots of examples in the Bible where there is dancing that is done that is done in a good way. And he's saying, we're not trying to have a drunken brawl. We're not trying to do anything irresponsible. We just want to have a dance to celebrate our senior year. And the town council says, no bueno, we're not going to go for it. But at his job at the warehouse, where he sometimes lets off some steam and some dance moves, <laughs> his boss yes. offers to let them use it for the prom, and it's outside of the town lines, so it wouldn't be breaking any laws. And he has a conversation with the reverend to just talk one-to-one and ask him if he can take Ariel to this prom. And the following Sunday, her dad endorses them. Basically, he Mm -hmm. says, let's pray for them as they go to do this. And they go to the prom. Yeah. So, happy ending. Yeah. And it's funny, they don't feel comfortable dancing until Ren comes downstairs and says, let's dance! 
Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. So why, why would Ren and Ariel be late to the prom? They were like, <laughs> <laughs> the people who start it, you see like everyone else is there. Well, remember Chuck, her ex-boyfriend shows up and they have to have a little brawl outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Rusty finally lets Willard have a fight because she's been yeah. asking him the whole movie not to fight. Are they romantically entwined a yes. little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not shown a lot. But... No, they actually play that up more in the stage play, interestingly huh. enough. Yeah. Okay. So that's Footloose, which maybe many of you already knew all that, but that's okay. It's fun to talk it through. hope our commentary was <laughs> engaging. What did you think of this movie, Kyla? Seeing it for the first time. It was a party. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah. Good. Um, did you have any favorite parts or moments or characters? Um, I loved all the glitter at prom. Yes, and it never, it never stops ending. falling. It it never <laughs> stops. I have to think that they, like, that they poured some on the ground on the scene. You know, it's on the set, mm-hmm. and then that they were like pouring it in front of the camera because mm-hmm. otherwise it. There couldn't have been, like, how would they have that much glitter? It would have been, like, an inch deep on the floor <laughs> by the end. I had questions as well. Ariel was kind of frustrated. She was frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of didn't want her and Ren to be a thing because it just seemed like all she wanted was negative attention. Well, I mean, with you see why, because her dad doesn't give her positive attention. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like he was more of a, a conquest than... But I think I, I think that he brought out a better side of her, though, and that was Agreed. good. But, anyways, I'm sure that she grew that she grew and matured and gained mm-hmm. some independence and probably became a fine young woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and something I had not noticed before, but on this rewatch, caught my attention is at one point she and Ren are talking, and he says something like you don't need to do this to distract your dad. And I wonder, it kind of seemed to imply, like, part of the reason she gets into trouble is so her dad doesn't think about her brother anymore. And mm. I had never noticed that before. Mm. That they have I didn't this, notice that. Yeah, it's kind of, they kind of blink, blink and you miss it. I had never noticed it. But I had never thought about that before. Like, this is her way of both trying to cope with the loss of her brother, but also keep her dad busy because if he stay still he might lose himself in his grief i thought that was interesting huh yeah that yeah. puts a a new spin on it for me Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah but you like this movie i heard you watched it a couple times in preparation <laughs> for this <laughs> well i do love this movie it is one i like enough to own and watch special features on in preparation for this <laughs> and i did Something I didn't plan to do, I ended up watching it twice in prep for this. Just, (laughs) I watched it on a Sunday night, and then on Tuesday night, I was like, I feel like watching this again. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) I I actually really love this movie. I think it's kind of like the peak of teen 80s cinema, like the, like, teen dramas. And then also, Kevin Bacon is phenomenal. And I think it's actually, the more times I watch it, the more I appreciate how thoughtful it is about the intersection between faith and pop culture, like, and how people try and make decisions about how to integrate those two things. I actually think it's, like, one of the most Mm. thoughtful, popular pieces of 
movie making or music or anything that like actually gives it a really thoughtful response yeah that's cool yeah it didn't remind me of 80s movies like how i tend to think of them just Mm -hmm. some of the recent ones like 16 candles and mm, recent being ones that i've recently oh yeah and ferris bueller's day off like Mm -hmm. those are a lot of them the teen movies that i've seen at least it's like one day drawn out a lot of them are yeah a very short time span breakfast club yeah and and kind of a little bit awkward Hmm. but this one was very like fast and exciting and yeah different Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what i like to do man I like to glue a Playboy centerfold inside every one of Reverend Moore's hymnals. Yeah. You know what else we could do? We could, we could start winning a nightclubs right there in the church, huh? <laughs> hey, that's it. <laughs> that's it, man. What? What's it? A dance. What? A dance! We could have a dance! Did you know that Footloose was based on a true story? What? Or I should say inspired by real events. That's probably ah. the <laughs> more accurate way to describe it. I actually did not know that at all until mm. I was researching this. But Footloose is loosely based on the story of Elmore City, which is in Oklahoma. And they had a saying they were known for, if the South is the Bible Belt, then we are the buckle. <laughs> so I think their wow. stance is clear. And the dancing, dancing was really outlawed there. And juniors at a local high school tried to get that overturned so that they could dance at their prom. Hmm. So there were two people that led this pro dance movement that Kevin Bacon's character, Ren, was inspired by. And there was a real inspiration for Ariel that they had as well. And there was a town reverend that they were kind of facing off against. So a quote from him about this is, No good has ever come from a dance. And he said that it would cause a surge in pregnancies at school. And another citizen Mm -hmm. said they were fearful because when boys and girls breathe in each other's ears, that's the next step. Oh my gosh. So. Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess it could start with breathing in each other's ears. That's one option. Part of it. (laughs) But it also doesn't have to be part of it. Yeah. So Dean Pitchford, who we mentioned briefly at the beginning of this episode, he heard about it. And he had just come off his Oscar win for fame. And he wanted to actually not just write music, but write the screenplay for this story. Mm-hmm. Which he had never done before. Yeah. So that's a huge step for him. He went to Elmore City to get the feel for the town. But funnily enough, it was so small, he drove through it on accident. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he didn't realize he had been there until he saw a sign that said, you're now leaving Elmore. <laughs> <laughs> and... The people who live there said that this is somewhat similar to actually how events went down. However, they did say that a tractor chicken fight did not happen. Um, The girl who inspired the character of Ariel said, You've got to be kidding. Our dads would have killed us. The tractor's like $100,000 and a major part of the family income. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did think that was was a little little much. Yeah. So – There you go. I had no idea that this was based off of a true story, but it was. 
I don't know if I had heard that before. I'm not sure. Like, if that was one thing that I knew about the movie. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Bacon, he wanted to get a feel for his role as well. And he did while he didn't go to Elmore like Dean did, mm-hmm. he did enroll in a nearby high school. Because really? he was, tr- yeah, because he was 26 and he was supposed to be playing a 17 year old. So he was just like, I don't even know if I remember how this that place works. And so <laughs> he went to high school and he had to stand up and and the principal knew about it, mm-hmm. but had to stand up, introduce himself, and people just kind of looked at him. And so at <laughs> first he, when he imagined playing Ren. He was planning on kind of strutting in, like, confident. I'm the new kid. Yeah, but I'm cool. I'm from Chicago. (laughs) But then after this experience and him only lasting two hours before he was like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) Um, He then walked in how you see him in the movie, which is kind of keeping his head down, trying not to be too noticed. He did rip into the parking lot in his little bug. But other than that, (laughs) he was kind of playing it cool. Yeah, it's because his two hours, which I I can't imagine. I'm a little bit older than he was, but I can't imagine going back to high school now and just I have no desire to go back to high school. No, thank you. I walked around my sister's high school, which is where I went a couple months ago. Had I went there for a function for her, and I had not been there in a while. And walking around, I was like, wow, this place has not changed at all these posters (laughs) were on the wall when i was here so you maybe could relive your high school experience if it's anything like my high school (laughs) so a couple people almost played ren other than kevin bacon though Mm -hmm. no surprise who they were i bet you people are names are coming to your mind rob lowe Mm -hmm. (laughs) that'd been all right Uh, we (laughs) talked about him in what movie was that the Outsiders. Yes, that's right. That, whew, good memory. I was going to know we talked about it. That was a while back. <laughs> and Tom Cruise, actually, which mm-hmm. that one surprised me a little bit. But um... Well, apparently his dancing that he did in his underwear and risky business was the uh, thing yes. that got their attention since this is a dancing movie. Which, well, I guess, I mean, more dancing was added after later as they were working on the movie. Mm-hmm was going to be in there but yeah tom Cruise. that was not much actually admittedly i haven't seen that movie but i i've seen the image and he just does a little well it's not much and kevin bacon said he knew that the director was a choreographer came from a dance background but he had no idea how much dance was going to be in this movie either because i guess the script mm-hmm. just says like they go to the prom and they dance <laughs> yeah and he did not realize how much dancing he was going to be doing nope so, and actually, Rob Lowe, in his audition, he blew out his ACL. <gasps> Ouch. So now he actually, and I don't know if he still is dealing with this, but for a while he had some post-traumatic stress with anything having to do with Footloose. So, like, songs from it, anything, because... Wow. Which, I mean, think about it, like, you bl- blowing out your ACL, it hasn't happened to me, but that, like, sometimes, a lot of times requires surgery, that's a whole thing, and it was just for an audition for a movie Yikes. that he didn't end up taking. So it's just, yeah. Well, and maybe that explains all his terrible dancing in Parks and Rec. <laughs> He's a notable, t- terrible dancer, and it's very funny. 
So maybe he made the best of it. (laughs) There we go. Well, there were other actresses you've probably heard of that were considered for the role of Ariel, including Jennifer Mm. Jason Leigh, Melanie Griffith, Rosanna Arquette, Meg Ryan, and Daryl Hannah. But I like her in this role. I think Laurie Singer does a really nice job. Yeah. I like her because she also just has, like, she really works the rebellious teen, but still kind of good girl when she needs Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. She works that really well. Yeah. And you know what else is kind of crazy? The people who played her parents weren't that much older than her. Yes. What was it like? How many years? Nine years? Twelve years? Yeah, for one and the other. Diane Weist, her mom, was only nine years older, and John <laughs> Lithgow was only 12 years older than her. Oh, that's that's so weird. And can I tell you a crazy story that maybe makes, knowing their ages makes the story less weird? Okay. So John Lithgow in an interview said he and Diane Weist both kind of felt like the old people, even though they weren't that much older, but they were playing the parents, not the high schoolers. He said, we felt like we were the old fuddy-duddies, but they had a lot of parties, I guess, at this hotel in Utah that they were shooting (laughs) and living at. And uh, they would do Soul Train and dance. And one night they uh, went skinny dipping in the pool and... Uh, Lori Singer, their, who played their daughter, joined them. Oh, yeah, that is odd. Yeah. And so the next day there was a memo sent out to every member of the production that said, behave yourselves. And he was like, it was definitely directed to us. <laughs> oh. That, you know, but how old was Lori Singer when she was in this role? Yeah. She was 28 when the movie came out. So okay. it's... N- it's still a little weird, but it's yeah. not as weird as if she were 17. <laughs> yeah. That would have been well, that not okay. Been. Yeah. All right. But, you know, Diane Weist, she, like, she looked old. Like Both of them did, honestly. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did too. But what do I know her from? I was looking her up, and I, nothing on her IMDb page rang a bell. But, like, I know that I've seen her. She was, I think, pretty well known for things in the 80s. She had a really big decade, actually. Someone randomly mentioned on a podcast recently, it was a really great decade for Diane Weist. She, (laughs) I know that was just a weird thing. The Lost Boys, Hannah and Her Sisters, The Purple Rose of Cairo, Footloose, as we said. Those were all in the 80s. And she's still working. You might have seen her in I Am Sam. She's been on a number of episodes of Law and Order. She was in Dan in Real Life, which is a movie I really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Or wait, no. Am I thinking of Lars and the Real Girl? Yep. That's also a movie. I don't know. So she is definitely still working and Hmm. popping up here and there. And she won two Oscars. So she's a big deal. Yeah, she's done well. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like they were not the only ones making trouble in Utah, which seems fitting for the story in its own way. <laughs> there was an interview with Elizabeth Gorsey, who played Wendy Joe, another one in the crew of Ariel's Friends. And she said, we were not welcomed in Utah by any means because we were a group of Hollywood people who smoked and drank coffee. <laughs> and she <laughs> said most... <laughs> well, in... I learned this um, from experience. 
Utah does not have a lot of coffee because it has a strong Mormon presence and they are not big on caffeine. So when I went to the Sundance Film Festival, it was kind of hard to find a Starbucks. Huh. So they did not quite fit in. And she said, most people are pretty excited when I film a movie and you're in town, but this was not the case. They would close the doors instead of opening anything for us. (laughs) Fascinating. Utah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but I forgot to mention, John Travolta was also considered for Ren McCormick's Makes sense. Yeah, which, what else was he going to maybe be in? Oh, right, Xanadu. Oh my gosh, yes. Similar time period. (laughs) Not exactly the same, but same decade, yes. Yeah, which just made me think about, like, this whole, like, surge of dance movies that Mm -hmm. happened that time. And it started at least movies that I recognize as noteworthy. It started with Grease, and then it was Fame, and then there's Flashdance. Mm-hmm. This Footloose kept being compared to Flashdance. Yep. And then there's Footloose, and then Dirty Dancing came next, and on and on. And honestly, I wish we'd go back to it. I love dance sequences in movies. Even Ferris Bueller has a big one in a parade. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I am down for 80s dance sequences. You get down with the dancing? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what else is funny about the making of this movie? There is a big part of this movie where they are trying to teach Willard to dance. As mm-hmm. Denise Williams sings Let's Hear It for the Boy in the background, Kevin Bacon is showing him first how to snap his fingers and then how to clap on beat. Oh, and yes. He's just trying to teach him different things, and his little cousins are trying to help him out. Well, I assumed this was all for show, but apparently Chris Penn, the actor who played Willard, really could not dance. That's awesome. And (laughs) he had a lot of difficulty trying to learn this dancing because by the end, he really is a good dancer. Yeah. And so finally, the crew had to start describing the dance moves in wrestling terms, and he was a wrestler, so he got it. And that's how he became a great dancer, which cracks me up. Just got to speak in a language that the other person yeah. will understand. So at the end when he's doing these amazing moves, you're like, whoa, that's cool. And you just assume he was faking the bad dance moves. Yeah. No. I don't know exactly the shooting schedule, but apparently he really was a bad dancer when this movie started. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yes. Very unbrand for this character. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> Little Willie. But we have that climactic scene where Kevin Bacon, a.k.a. Ren McCormick, is going to the town council asking them to revoke the no dancing law. And actually, Kevin Bacon was probably more nervous than Ren the character was. Really? For that scene. Yes. So Kevin Bacon, a little fear of public speaking back in the day. Huh. And so to him, that scene felt so real yeah (laughs) so he actually broke out in hives all over his ribs no way so he took half a valium to calm himself down (laughs) to tape that scene wow well he acts well through the drugs (laughs) (laughs) so apparently that hasn't happened since the breaking out in hives from public speaking so maybe that broke him of that fear but Mm -hmm. yeah 
that surprised me because all of his acting is in front of people, right? But that mm-hmm. scene is in I mean, it's a it's public speaking. I don't know. Well, I have a guess as to something that could have been a factor for that nervousness. Oh. It's his he talks about this today and it's his I think major regret from filming this movie. But he was not allowed to do all his own dancing. And uh, yes. he wanted to. So I feel like that could have definitely impacted your confidence on a movie if someone mm. is telling you we don't believe you could do this. Now, to be fair, I have not read anything that those two things are directly correlated, but I could imagine so. And apparently yeah. he did most of the dancing in the movie, but when they did the big warehouse dance scene where he's letting out his feelings... There were actually four other people who doubled for him because there are a lot of gymnastics flips and a lot of complicated Mm. moves. And in a more recent interview, he said, I was furious. It's like a starting pitcher getting taken out of a game. No one wants to be told that they can't get the guy out. I had a stunt double, a dance double, and two gymnastics doubles. And there were five of us in the outfit, and I felt horrible. Hmm. And the... Actually, the studio did not want him to tell anyone that he didn't do all his own dancing, but he refused to keep quiet about that. He said, you are out of your effing mind if you think I'm going to be quiet about this. Mm. So I guess the studio wanted everyone to think Kevin Bacon did all his dancing, but he was going to be more honest about it, which I appreciate. Yeah, I guess... I don't think that's something to be ashamed of, especially, well, the gymnastics especially. Like, that takes so much muscle Mm -hmm. and skill. But the dancing, I could see how he'd be frustrated. Like, teach me the moves. Let me try. Well, and especially for a guy who said he had no idea how much dancing it had, it sounds like he was totally game. And he was like, yeah, "Yeah, let's just do this. And they didn't let him have the chance. Hmm. Well. Mm-hmm. They made eighty million, so <laughs> did okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a time for this law, but not anymore. See, this is our time to dance. It is our way of of celebrating life. While Kevin Bacon was pretty eager to dance for the movie, he's not as keen on it now <laughs> in certain settings. So. Let's just let's just play this clip of him talking to Coco about his experience at parties now. Would you say that when you go to a wedding, sometimes if music plays, because of Footloose, people surround you and start... <laughs> no, well, I go to the disc jockey and hand him $20 and say, please don't play that song. Yeah. Because, first off, a wedding is really not about me. It's about the bride and groom. And... It's embarrassing. Right, but they all want to see it. And of course, yeah, it puts you in a terrible the same position. Thing. Like, dong, did, dong, did, dong, did, dong, did, dong. Everyone goes, it's awful. I mean, it's awful. I mean, I totally get that because that would be so weird if every time that song came on, people just look at you. Yeah. I'd be like, leave me alone. I'm eating some appetizers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I encourage you guys to watch this interview because the face he makes, too, when he's imitating other people, like, eh, eh, <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. Yes, yes, I agree. And we know that he was willing to go back to do these dance moves for Jimmy Fallon a couple years ago, which we can share yeah. in our Tumblr. So it's not that he won't do the dance moves. It's that he doesn't want to distract people from their big day. 
Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I also appreciated Kevin Bacon's little impression of the Kenny Loggins song, Dong Dee Dong that opens it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Clearly, he has listened to this song a number of times. And even if you have not seen the movie or the remake or the stage show, you have almost certainly heard the song Footloose that is sung by yeah. the one person who sings every 80s movie theme song, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> he wrote this song with Dean Pitchford, who we mentioned briefly again at the beginning. And there is a crazy story about how they wrote this song together. Apparently, they were on a real-time crunch to try and get this song written before he was about to go on tour. Kenny Loggins, I mean. Hmm. And if they could not get it in before he went on tour, they would not be able to have Kenny Loggins write this song for the movie. And in a terrible twist of fate, a phrase I keep using on this podcast, (laughs) Kenny Loggins ended up with two broken ribs because he tripped and fell off stage in the dark leading up to this and when they were supposed to write together in this hotel dean pitchford had a strep throat and he was supposed to be like helping with vocals and lyrics (laughs) and he didn't want kenny loggins to know he had strep throat because he was afraid he wouldn't show up (laughs) so there is a little selfish yeah (laughs) So they're in this hotel room, and they are trying to crank out this song. They're both feeling terrible, but they ended up writing this amazing song after, like, three or four days, and it started with the little bass line that Kevin Bacon was impersonating, and finally they were able to crank this thing out. And I thought it was funny, too, because some of the other songs in this movie were written so much faster. Let's hear it for the boy, he said, was written and demoed in one night. Almost Paradise Mm -hmm. was done in about a day, I think. Yeah, it was written in about a day. So it is just a huge difference that this one took so long. And I think it turned out pretty awesome. It is a banger still to this day. Yeah. Side note about Almost Paradise. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the theme music for Bachelor in Paradise. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I had, <laughs> but it's so it sounds so goofy because <laughs> they make fun of it a little bit. Speaking of songs that are supposed to be serious mm-hmm. but have been parodied and <laughs> now make me laugh. Okay, but by the way, we should say this: Footloose was the name of the movie, but at first it was going to be the working title was Cheek to Cheek, which is just what? terrible. Yeah. Was it supposed to be, like, the old classic song? I don't know, but, like, dancing cheek to cheek, I guess. Gee, I'm really glad they did Which is what the Reverend didn't want the kids to do. (laughs) Don't breathe in each other's ears. But Pitchford did not like cheek to cheek as a title. It's pretty terrible. Yeah, he was filling yellow legal pad paper with any ideas. One day he wrote Footloose and Fancy Free and then just Footloose. He said he liked it on paper. It looked nice. But I also read another version of the story that Kevin Bacon came up with Footloose. So, I don't know. Unclear. I did not read anything about this. I do know that Dean Pitchford wrote 22 drafts of the screenplay, though. So, it does not... It would not surprise me if 
he came up with it in that process because I know he was working with mm. several people to try and improve the screenplay and just work through because this was an idea in his first screenplay so he wanted to write it but you know he had never done it before so it took some effort and you know they did have a director before and I've uh I've forgotten his name because I guess I didn't write it down but they did have another director they were going to use and he wanted to make it more dark so he wanted more fighting less dancing mm-hmm Maybe so a little more like The Outsiders. Out. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> hmm And so it made me think about The Outsiders and what if – because all the dancing certainly kept Footloose lighter. So what if all the fighting scenes in The Outsiders were replaced with dancing? How different would that movie be? That would be a very different movie. There is yeah. fighting in Footloose, but it's pretty quick mm-hmm. every time. So I just, I don't know, that was just a thought I had, probably in the shower. Well, and it probably, there's definitely an overlap because Rob Lowe and Tom Cruise were both in The Outsiders. Yeah. There are a lot of overlaps in these 80s movies. Fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. One other overlap we should talk about, since we just talked about fame, Dean Pitchford, as we said, wrote the song Fame. Another long process. It took him a month to write with the crew that was writing this song. They had a, Mm -hmm. I'll link to an article, an interview with Dean Pitchford, and he goes through all these different ways they were trying to come up with a way that a song fame would fit with the movie fame. And one little fun fact I learned that we didn't share in our last episode, the original title of fame was going to be Hot Lunch, which is even what? worse than cheek to cheek. Hot lunch? Yeah. Which the scene we played in our last episode of them jamming at lunch, I think was the inspiration because that's the name of the song is something like Hot Lunch Jam. Oh. I know. Oh, hot lunch sounds so unappetizing. Like, I know. why is it hot? Like, it makes it sound like it should be room I know. temperature. And can you imagine if Dean Pitchford, who as of today, has written songs for Dolly Parton, Whitney Houston, Barbara Streisand, Blake Shelton, Michael Bolton, Bette Midler, Smokey Robinson, (laughs) Diana Ross. The list keeps going and going and going for all these amazing people that he's written for, including Hilary Duff, which I just feel like we need to throw out there. (laughs) And he might have had to have written a song called Hot Lunch. But instead, thank goodness, he got to write a song for fame. Yeah, that's much better. I'd say that Yale education really paid off. Because, yeah, he's another (laughs) Yale bulldog, just like Rory. What up? So are you ready to talk about how this fits in the world of Gilmore Girls? I should hope so, after all those fun facts. I agree. So, prom, guys. That's what we're talking about. That was what Rory was referencing. Of all the scenes, of all the aspects of Footloose, it was prom that we cared about so prom let's talk about the prom scene we mentioned it glitter on the floor balloons everywhere they actually had to reshoot this because they shot it all first in slow motion and then they felt like it made the movie drag so they redid it and they do have a little slow motion at the very end but most Mm. of it is not so maybe that was from the original shoot so they Mm -hmm. were like grabbing people out of clubs to mm-hmm. try to reshoot this. And it worked really well. Yeah. Did we mention the glitter? Glitter was there. <laughs> so much so... glitter. It's basically <laughs> the Mariah Carey movie. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> if it were good. Aw. And, uh, yeah, lots of dancing. Kids were dressed. I thought they were dressed nicely for the 80s. Like, I don't know. It seemed yeah. seemed stylish-ish Although for Utah. They... <laughs> yeah, or where I don't think it's set in Utah, but it was shot in Utah. I think it's supposed uh, to be Oklahoma, oh, since that's Oklahoma. the real inspired town uh, was in Oklahoma. Right. Mm-hmm. So, anyways... It's awesome. It's super fun. I would just go back and watch that, honestly. I went back and rewatched it, actually. Mm-hmm. That was my rewatch. Was that the prom scene? Well, and I think it's fun that you get to see them decorating for their prom, too. So yeah. after all this effort to try and get this endorsed and approved, you get to see them all come on their motorcycles, and they're setting it <laughs> up, and Willard can't blow a balloon, and there's all sorts of funny things like that that they're mm-hmm. just... So it's kind of fun to actually watch them be excited for it, and then they all show up in their nice, spiffy outfits. Yeah. And I also watched the prom scene for the 2011 remake. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing that it was just a little a little nitpick. And I noticed it in the 1984 version. And then the 2011 remake totally fixed it for me. And that is when at the point of the song, the beat's about to drop on let's dance. You know, or yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it right. But loose. And it's about to drop. In the 1984 version... A guy, like, drops down to the ground and then kind of starts into his movement. And I was like, that would have been the perfect moment for, like, a backflip, some huge spin, a jump, something. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I'll get down and then I'll start <laughs> my move. And I was like, that was so disappointing. 2011 version, a guy did a flip at the beat dropping and I was so pleased. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I have not seen the 2011 remake. So I can't well, I'll, we'll that. have the. I found a clip that has the 1984 prom scene and then the 2011 prom scene, so you can check it out in our cool. Tumblr. But that's one thing. But prom, Footloose, Taylor, what does this reference mean? Whew. Well, do we need to also talk a little bit about Cinderella? I don't think we really need to explain Cinderella. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what are the words that come to your mind when you think of? Cinderella. Poofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I presume you're referring to her dress? Maybe the uh-huh. pumpkin? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes. I think elegant, magical, maybe royal. a little... Yeah, royal, over the top a little. A little extra. Mm-hmm. Glass bit... slippers. Yes. Yes. It very... I'm thinking of a palace. Yeah, I would say that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And what words come to your mind when you think of the prom at Footloose? Footloose! But what else? I'm... Also, Kevin Bacon. Glitter! Yes! <laughs> I'm thinking homemade. Mm. A warehouse. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm thinking a little more... Not slapdash put together, but a little bit lower budget than Cinderella. Slightly, because they were not were not royalty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, communal 
hot fu- wait was there a chocolate fountain i don't no. remember <laughs> you know what that was the oc they wanted <laughs> to get a chocolate fountain <laughs> for the for the carnival the Adam Brody fan podcast <laughs> continues. Um, yes, I see where you're going with this. To me, Footloose Prom says a l- sounds a lot lower budget than a Cinderella Prom. And somehow I feel like the Stars Hollow High Prom is probably working on a much smaller budget mm-hmm. than the Chilton Prom. Yes, much like the Footloose Prom. Mm-hmm. Can I share another connection I think Footloose has? Yes. Well, who does end up going to the Stars Hollow High Prom that we know of? That would be Lane mm-hmm. and Dave. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's maybe a little bit of a parallel between Lane <gasps> and Ariel? Yeah. And how they have these very strict religious parents who don't want them to dance or do anything risky. Yes. And some boy shows up and goes through a very big effort to try and get approval to take their daughter to prom. Dave Rogowski. Yes. (laughs) And it is finally given after much thought and contemplation, and maybe both against parents' better judgment? And some Bible verses. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, in Dave's case, Shakespeare. Oh. But he reads the Bible, just like Kevin Bacon reads the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we should just give a little shout-out to Dave Rogowski right here with a clip. I stayed up all night. I read the entire Bible, cover to cover. I don't know what it means. David. You have to tell me what it means. Is it yes? Is it no? I can't feel my right elbow anymore. I don't even know why, but I I can't. David. Please, just tell me. I'm so tired. It's not from the Bible. What? It's Shakespeare, Henry VI. I like to goof off now and then too, you know. Shakespeare? That is a very difficult thing to do, reading the Bible in one night. I myself have only done it three times. You need great determination and excellent light. I'm very impressed. All right. All right what? You can go to the prom, but you cannot get married. That seems fair to me. And me! Ah, I did not put that together. I think there's definitely some parallel. And I don't... It doesn't fit quite as well, but I do think Jess Mariano and Ren McCormick also have some overlap. They keep getting in trouble. They keep being misunderstood. They both uh, have trouble getting to the prom, and in his case, it does not work out. Yeah. Not quite as parallel a situation, but I do feel like Ren McCormick and Jess Mariano are spiritual brothers. Yeah. But Jess is not really using his powers for good. He's just upset. He's not really trying to change anything. No. And he actually usually causes his own problems. Yeah. Of course, Rory wasn't aware of the connection she was making with Grease. Or, (laughs) gosh. With Footloose and uh, Lane being able to go to the prom, much like Ariel was in Footloose. But I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then all those other references that you played, that you shared 
for mm-hmm. our little montage. Those were, I, I feel like we covered all of them. The jump back, Lorelai using that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Seems like Emily really loves Footloose and other dance movies, which doesn't... Grease is in there, Flashdance, yeah. (laughs) Which does not surprise me, considering she wanted Rory to watch hours and hours of ballroom dancing at the beginning of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Um, Oh, my gosh, Lord of the Rings! Didn't even realize put that together. (laughs) Are they talking about Lord of the Rings, like, the extra... Uh, content on there on oh the DVDs, gosh. which who yeah. hasn't watched the behind the scenes at least of the Fellowship? Come on, I we all know the facts. I definitely have. Heck yes. Um, and you've watched the Footloose extras, as you said <laughs> yeah. earlier. There is a fun audition tape from Kevin Bacon that resurfaced on this oh. 2011 DVD that I watched, and they explained it on the DVD, and I also read it in some interviews. But I guess. They did not think that Kevin Bacon was going to be great for the part in the movie. Uh-huh. There was a less than um, G-rated term that the movie studio person said that she did not think that Kevin Bacon did not think he was, let's just say, appealing enough to be in this movie. And so the people who were making the movie really believed in him and thought he was great at this part. So he did an audition tape where he acted out some of the scenes, did a costume test, and it's kind of funny just watching him, like, smolder looking at the camera and mm-hmm. what turned out to be mostly outfits in the film, like even the red tux from the prom. And, and when you say appealing, physically appealing. Yes. That's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Though they said it in a less G-rated way. And yeah. the audition tape now has kevin bacon commentary on the dvd and so it's fun to listen to him talk about it and he's like actually i think i'd like what i did in this audition tape better than some of the things i actually did in the movie which is such an actor thing to say hindsight Mm -hmm. yeah and i think the other thing we need to point out about the other footloose references it shows up between mrs kim and lorelei so it's another mrs kim parallel to footloose yeah, and Mrs. Kim is being the reverend, essentially, is what Lorelai mm-hmm. is saying. I love yeah. that line. <laughs> like you're a tramp uh, and possibly for sale. Oh, my gosh. For the record, oh. <laughs> John Lithgow never says that in the movie, but no. apparently it brought Lorelai back to that movie. Yeah. So, Kyla? So, Taylor? That's our show? That's our show! Woo! Oh, I, I'm feeling so loose. Foot loose. Kick yep. off those Sunday shoes. They're kicked off. Two last fun facts that weren't really relevant to our discussion of the movie so much as they're relevant to people who have been listening to the show for a while. But I will link to these things in our Tumblr. But in one article I read, they actually compared Footloose to Peyton Place. They said, Ah. not since Peyton Place had a movie so sneakily captured the ambiance and hypocrisy of small town life. Mm. Which I thought was a relevant comparison. Mm. Yes. And do you remember not too long ago, we did kind of a mashup episode of a lot of little references. We talked about Frank Lloyd Wright and Heather Mills. Mm. And another thing we talked about was 
the Dire Straits song that kept saying, I want my MTV. And uh, yeah. they say one of the reasons, actually Dean Pitchford said this in an interview, he says one of the reasons that Footloose became such a phenomenon that they could not have anticipated, because this movie movie had very low expectations from the studio. There was a lot of leadership changes, and basically it kind of was stuck in development for a while, and they basically just said, here's $8 million, go make this, and let's just be done with it. <laughs> but 1984, MTV really makes its boom. Hmm. And because this movie had such a predominant soundtrack with tons of top artists on it it just rocketed this movie and its soundtrack to another Mm. level that they could never anticipated because they didn't know MTV was going to be around to do that Yeah. so they said that they ended up with six top 40 hits from this movie largely thanks to MTV that's so cool so yeah another thing we can connect that to that we've talked about Look at that. All mm-hmm. of our connections. Mm-hmm. I mean, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> six degrees. Six degrees of <laughs> Kevin Bacon. The six degrees of So It's a Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're getting down to about, well, now that we've talked about Kevin Bacon, is everything connected one degree Yes. to Kevin Bacon? I think we're connected yes. one degree now, honestly. Ew. <laughs> Guess what? We got an interview with Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay, oh my gosh. Kidding. Don't me with that dream that would be amazing he is oh, yeah. I, he is just one actor that i am never disappointed to see hmm. i think he is still excellent but if you want to come fangirl or fanboy about kevin bacon or adam brody with us <laughs> you can find us on twitter at so it's a show so it's a show podcast.tumblr.com so it's a show at gmail.com tinyletter.com slash so it's a show And guess what? We can be found not just on Apple Podcasts, not just on Stitcher, not just on iHeartRadio, not just on Google Play. Is that what it's called? Google Play? Yeah. 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 Where else can you find us? On Spotify. Whoop, whoop. We are available to you. And if you want to combine your music and podcast listening into a single app, Spotify seems like the best way to do it. And you can find us there now. All our new and old episodes. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy those. And uh, here's a teaser for our next step. Hi, hon. Hi, Mom. Hey. What are you doing here? I just came to pick Rory up. Miss Celine. Oh, my God. It's Natalie Wood. Look, Sabrina, it's Natalie Wood. Oh, Miss Celine, I can't believe it. You're still uh, working. Oh, yeah, I tried to retire once. Olivia de Havilland wouldn't hear of it. Well, how are you? How's Mrs. Walter Cronkite? Lovely. Thank you for asking, Natalie. Dean gets engaged, and when beloved Fran Weston passes on, Lorelai and Suki see if they can buy the Dragonfly, Dragonfly Inn. A little Say better. that last part again. Dean gets engaged, and when beloved Fran Weston passes on, Lukey... (laughs) There was a typo, and I keep trying to focus on not reading the typo I (laughs) copy-pasted, so I'm saying it wrong. I'm just going to delete the typo so I don't have that problem. 
Dean gets engaged, and when beloved Fran Weston passes on, Lorelai and Suki see if they can buy the Dragonfly in. Success. <laughs> uh.